Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Hello, I'm Craig Ellingson, sports editor at the Edmonton Journal, and this is our Oilers podcast for February 20th, 2015. Joining me today are Journal sports columnist John McKinnon. Good morning. Journal hockey writer Joanne Ireland. Good morning. And Journal sports... uh, Hockey writer Jim Jim Matheson, how are you? You know, of course you can't see us here in our our podcast studio, but we switched up seats today. I usually go left to rights, and I had it all written down. And you know, things change at the last minute with everything. What do you do? And of course, the orders are changing things all the time because of injuries. Um, had a couple last game uh, with Anton Lander and Jeff Petrie leaving the game uh, with with various ailments and. Uh, it brings up uh, a problem for them, uh, organizational depth and who they who they call up. And obviously Victor Foss has uh, missed the last game. He left uh, the Winnipeg game uh, uh, hurting his knee in the shootout and uh, sort of exposes uh, an underbelly of the Oilers. Well, I think if you're a farmhand, you're, you're not high-fiving, but whenever guys get hurt at the end of a season when your team's not going to be making the playoffs, you're hoping you're going to get a call-up, you know, and and you know it might not be a long call up for Jordan Osterley was called up from uh, Oklahoma City but if I'm Jerry Fleming that's his two best defensemen they've now called up Marinson and Osterley so now we'll see how the farm team does but yeah injuries I think you know the owners have had several but every team in the league's got them and uh, there's lots of teams at this point in the season have players you say I don't know if we'll see them before the season ends you know they've got a shoulder maybe Nikitin doesn't even play the rest of the season and uh in lander's case unfortunate for him because uh hurting his shoulder because he was playing very well but petrie's case it's uh if he's going to get traded you better get well in a hurry if you're a, a a team that wants to trade for him yeah and victor foss same situation right i mean here's another guy that was you know possibly going to be looked at on the before the trade deadline and it doesn't I mean it's kind of a weird injury we never sort of got an explanation as to what it was how long he's out but he is on IR which is not a good indication so um, he may be out of the loop here for a long stretch of time too and and when you talk about depth that's the one area where they're they're really really um, thin in goaltending and Bachman's certainly a guy that can step in and play the odd game he's not a long-term solution for a team that needs some backup for Scrivens Victor Faust uh, limped out of the Rexall place the other night with a knee brace on his left knee and a ferocious scowl on his face, and I don't expect to see Victor Faust playing for quite some time. So we'll see what happens. 
Uh, Scrivens indicated he could have come back before he did, but mm -hmm. uh, they were erring on the side of caution. Yeah, we'll see. I mean, he's, he's actually been fairly healthy, I think, during most of his career, so maybe he can gut it out for 22 games. Well, this just puts an exclamation mark on Foss, too, though. He has been very injury-prone. I mean, he may be a guy that could, you know, talent-wise be a little better than Scrivens if he could play, sustain his play for any length of time, but he's been... Uh, he's probably been in the IR more than he's been on the on the roster, I think, with this team since they brought him in. It's in, it's tough for him because he he didn't make the NHL till he was thirty. Right. So he was behind the eight ball just to get to the National Hockey League. Had one really good year in the lockout season, and then he's been hurt, you know, since then. So whether coming back from injury or or getting hurt in games, so it's difficult for for him. I think he's got ability, but. Like I said, if you can't stay healthy, it's tough to to show what you can do. And Jeff Petrie uh, was, you know, the other player, another player who's off off the roster here. Uh, hurt his ribs uh, against the Bruins on a slap shot, um, and they had the trade deadline, of course, coming up. Now Victor Foss's value is in the toilet. Um, what about Jeff Petrie's? I think the team that the Oilers are playing Saturday night, the Anaheim Ducks, will be looking at Jeff Petrie because they. Sammy Votnin's out, and they've been looking for a defenseman apart from uh, Votnin all year. So they're looking for a defenseman, and I'd say he's on about 10 teams' uh, radar right now, and I'm sure Craig McTavish is getting a phone call every day. And I think his injury is short-term, if that's what you're alluding to. Like, he's not, he's not in the same situation as Victor Foss, so, um, you know, if he misses a game or two, it's not going to sort of have... A, significant impact on what his value will become March 2nd or prior to. I mean, Petrie's situation, we'll see, is more about McTavish and how skillful he can be in getting a bidding war going. Well, what are my offers for this guy? There's a lot of teams that need defensemen uh, every year. But this year, there's a bunch of teams injured, teams that are flailing around. Uh, a player like that can be very useful. Uh, right now, many teams are actually, some teams would rather trade for somebody that, who's gonna, who has a contract with some term, but a lot of teams don't because the, the salary cap situation is uncertain, and they'd rather not commit to um, salary for beyond this year. So that could be a real litmus test for Craig to see what he's able to leverage for you know a very capable defenseman who can plug a hole for, for teams that want to go deep into the playoffs. I think the rental market is the second-round draft choice for a defenseman, except that Franzen got a first-rounder for the Leafs, but it was more of a package deal. So I think most teams, are, you know, if they can get a second-round and a prospect, it's just not a second-round pick now because, I mean, in the Oilers' case, if they're going to trade Jeff Petrie to a contender, that's a pick from 45 to 60. That's yeah. not a great pick. I mean, if it's, you know... 32, 33, whatever it is, that's okay. But that you better get a prospect back as well. And I think Detroit's another team. Montreal's another team. Although Montreal is looking to make a deal for player for player, but that's certainly a team that would be interested in Jeff as well. Pittsburgh, um, any number of teams. Defensemen, that's the one position. They say you need 10 defensemen going into the playoffs because defensemen always get hurt. And certainly you need eight that can play. And in Jeff's case, he would be on a contender, you know, a second-pairing defenseman or at worst a five. Yeah, and further to what John was talking about, it's going to be interesting to see what McTavish does because this is a, a very, um, as Maddie alluded to, very um, 
enticing prospect asset-wise going into the trade deadline. I mean, last year, what did he get for Nick Schultz? Like a fourth or fifth rounder for Nick Schultz, who who's certainly not on the same sort of scale as Jeff Petrie. And, um, you know, last year his big his big tradable asset was Alashemsky. So it would be interesting to see sort of how the chips fall. Now, I know we've been talking you know, a lot about Petrie recently, if not for most of the season, about what's going to happen with him because he doesn't have a contract after this year. But he is the kind of player they need. They need. <laughs> Absolutely. But I guess they're, you know, like, like, you, like you wrote about, Matty, uh, there's been no contract talks lately. Well, there may, they may have revisited it. The owners may have called again to see what it would take. But at this 11th hour, why wouldn't he just say, eh, I don't know. You didn't want to sign me to a long-term contract last summer, so why should I, you know, be interested now? And, you know, and his agent's probably saying, okay, here's the market that Mark Mathot just got $4.9 million in Ottawa. He was their player, four-year contract. You know, he's a defensive defenseman. Jeff's kind of in between and, you know, skates better. Mathot is a really good shutdown defenseman. But that's the market now, 4.9. If the owners want to pay 4.9, great if they don't then he's going to go somewhere else and the market for defensemen in the summer was through the roof last year with not very many you know when Brooks Orpik a defensive defenseman gets five and a half and Matt Niskanen has one really good offensive year and he gets almost six million a year for seven years then if you're a defenseman you might want to try free agency in the summer. Maybe Wade Arnott is the anonymous agent who declared Edmonton a nightmare. And maybe he's whispering those well, thoughts in Jeff Petrie's ear. Maybe his brother said, I'd hated it in Edmonton. So <laughs> I didn't to start with, but I doubt it. I think Wade's always had a bit of an affinity with, with Edmonton. It was just a joke. It was just a joke, Jim. Just, no, a, I, just a quip. I just a line. Uh, you're, sometimes your jokes are the truth, John. <laughs> I suppose if, you know, I don't know. I'm not an NHL hockey player. never have been. Uh, but would Jeff Petrie be thinking, hmm, you know, Obviously, I'm a free agent at the end of the year. Doesn't know if he's going to be traded or not. And just like John was, you know, talking about Edmonton being a nightmare with that recent uh, poll out there, uh, being the least least desirable place to land as a free agent right now is Edmonton. Um, that has more to do with uh, where they are in the standings yeah. as much as anything. And that's I mean, and that's yeah. I mean, it, I, I you know it was a great job by Craig Custance to talk to the to the. Uh, Agents and but the, the teams that came out as as, desti- as non destinations certainly didn't surprise me. Although Toronto, I think Toronto, was big, Toronto yeah. most players want to play in Toronto, but the heat's turned up so high there in Toronto. It's and the situations. Although the, there's a lot of heat in Montreal too, but obviously Montreal seems to be a better destination than Toronto is. Well, I always find these uh, surveys so interesting because I've always wondered where Detroit fits into things too. I mean, we talk about Edmonton not having a lot to offer, and you know, they've never. And I think this goes, harkens back to the fact that Edmonton hasn't had any success because the Red Wings have been so successful. I think they've actually lured free agents there just based on their um, process or progress on the on the ice, as opposed to the city itself. Oh, you see that with a, t- a city like Pittsburgh, too. Yep. I mean, obviously with Crosby, Malkin, yep. potential to win a Stanley Cup at almost every year, yep. that sort of thing. I mean, this is a team that did attract Pouliot, did attract Thane, however people want to consider him, did attract Ference. This is a cliche that has been rattling around for a long, long time. Lauren Pronger didn't like Edmonton, so her husband left. 
Michael Nylander's wife didn't like Edmonton, so his his husband reneged on an agreement to sign here. On and on and on. I mean, and and virtually any city where the team is pl- performing badly yeah. has a list of players who have said, ah, I don't think so. Montreal tried to get Shanahan, tried to get Daniel Briere, uh, variety Hosa, variety of other players. No thanks. Don't want to play there. The players that play in places like Montreal absolutely love Montreal, but not if the team is going to be in the basement. They're not going to love Montreal. Uh, Fain, when he signed here, explicitly said, I want to play with these young players. Um, so I, I think, I don't, I mean, we've gone from having actual human players with names, you know, and or their wives with names, identifiable human beings saying, I really didn't want to go there, to anonymous agents, self-interested people, bravely saying, yeah, it's a nightmare. Wow. I'm afraid I don't see that. <laughs> it's a particularly earth-shattering development. But yeah. Well, I, you know, I always harken back to Dwayne Rollison when he came from, from the Minnesota Wild when they brought him in. He used to talk about this, and it's so true. I mean, so many times players come in, they drive into the airport, they make the 30-minute trip downtown. All they see is that stretch of highway. They go from the downtown hotel to the rink and back out to the airport. That's their vision of Edmonton, whether it's, you know, 30 below or a day like today where it's melting. And that's all they see. And he said himself, like he didn't have a lot of good things to say about Edmonton. But once he was here and playing and sort of got himself into the city, he really liked it. So, you know, I think it's that sort of first impression that a lot of these players are left with. And, you know, I mean, you can say the same thing about Ottawa, that their rink's in the middle of nowhere. Most of the teams don't stay out downtown. So that's all they see of Ottawa. It's, you know, that's just the way it is. And these players are very narrow-minded. They just sort of get a glimpse. They think that's the city, and they go, well, I'm not really keen on Edmonton and or Ottawa or Winnipeg or, you know. Unfortunately, Ottawa, Ottawa didn't come up much in that survey. Ottawa, yeah, Ottawa did. Ottawa was one of the most Calgary beautiful didn't cities. Either. Calgary didn't. That was Calgary didn't. Me. Calgary yeah. wasn't. Well, wasn't I mean, these these are beautiful cities. These are cities with great quality of yeah. life. Well, but that's not what this is about. This is about superficial. Winning. Uh, you know, well, that's part of it. But mm-hmm. it's also just about superficial judgments yeah. of cities on based on a, a very small amount of information by agents acting in service of mercenaries, athletes who spend very little time in the cities. That, and then when the season's over, how many of the Oilers actually live here? There's probably more Eskimos from the United States who live in Edmonton than Oilers. I mean, it, it's, it's not an issue. I mean, it's an issue for their families. But Edmonton is famously, any of you have a family? Do they dislike it here? I don't think they do. It's a great place for families, so I'm told. You know. Yeah, it's a, it, it should be. It's about a 10-team league if... if uh, you, you kicked out, out all the places <laughs> that people, the players, uh, didn't want to play. Yeah. You know, love people love to play in Texas because there's no tax. You know, there's no state tax there, so Dallas gets a lot of players. And uh, you know, Joe Thornton and Patrick Marlowe are very, very happy in San Jose. Yeah, they are. And what what has that produced for the San Jose Sharks? Good teams, uh, no championships, and there's none on the horizon. They may not make the playoffs this year, but. Those guys, they, there's a nice little suburb called Los Gatos where a lot of these players live. They love it. And they go to the beach, you know, surf. Quality of life. Beautiful. Yeah. It's beautiful. <laughs> I mean, you know, if, if there was a team in Rio in the National Hockey League, a lot of people want to go there. Well, that's the way it goes. What are you going to do? Mm-hmm. 
at least in San Jose, they get fans in the stands. I mean, to get into Florida or Columbus, where they fly under the radar, and that's and you know a lot of players, it, some of them want to be under the radar. Some of them don't like being in the spotlight. Which or, I've never understood, yeah. to be honest. Yeah. If you're an athlete, a professional athlete, that's part of who you Should are. Be. You know, mm-hmm. the excitement of scoring goals, the excitement of of the fans cheering, uh, people who care and who go to the games. Pe- walking down the street and people knowing who you are, um, I don't get it. I mean, oh, I want to hide. The minute I want to leave the rink, I don't want anybody bothering me. Mike Comrie didn't want to be here. Hometown boy. Leveraged his name and his, his ability as a young player for an excellent contract. Big money. But then he didn't want to be here because he was in a fishbowl. Joffrey Lupel, same thing. I mean, Quebec is one of the great hockey towns. Obviously, does not currently have an NHL team. Absolutely spectacular hockey place. They love it. Very passionate fans. For when they were in the doldrums in the eighties, early late eighties, nobody wanted to go there. Greg Millen was traded there. Miserable. Uh, Pat Hickey, all kinds of players. Don't I don't want to be here? You know, outposts. You know, blah blah blah. Ask the reporters if they enjoyed going to Quebec City. You know? Team officials. I mean, it's it, you, it's it's kind of a an you could do this kind of a piece any year. Mm-hmm. Well, so I mean, what? I mean, Toronto being on this list that Customs you know, put together. I mean, what if? I mean, we've seen it's you know over since almost fifty years now since they've won a cup. I wasn't alive then, but God, what if they? You know, what if they did make the Stanley Cup final? That place would almost would be. You think Vancouver was bad? Yeah. That place would just go absolutely crazy, like it does in Montreal, like it did in Vancouver, like it was here in 06 when we had the team in the final. Calgary, the same thing. I don't know about Ottawa, but I imagine it was. It's it's a celebrated thing. And like I don't think it's like being a movie star where you're chased down the street by the paparazzi with their cameras. Maybe halfway there. I don't, I don't think TMZ is hang, hanging around every street corner in in, in <laughs> the National Hockey League trying to find a player. <laughs> Jasper Avenue. Just you wait. Jasper Avenue. <laughs> you know, they're at you know yeah. Earl's Tin Palace. See, yeah. what, see what's going on there. I I, I don't see it, but um, like I said, it's a it's a nice topic and winning is what usually sways a player. And if your team is a successful team, doesn't matter where the team is. Where it is, if the player has got some feeling that the team can win, he's of a certain age, you know, he's already played 10 years in the league, he's going to come to Edmonton and they look like a good team, he'll come here even if the it's cold in the winter and yeah. whatever, it's winning more than anything because it's fun to go to the rink. Any player who was in that 06 run, a um, few of them that are still around, um, talks about sort of what it was like being in the city at that time. And there's, as Maddie said, if they're winning, it changes the dynamics immensely. Actually, Benoit Pouli, I talked about that in Montreal last week, um, talks, you know, how when they're winning, it's the best place in the world to be. Everybody knows your name. There's a lot of perks and but he said when you're losing it's you know it can be tough and he said it's not unlike Edmonton it's just a, you know a little bigger city and a little more history but not unlike what they experience here it's three and a half times bigger one year the, the Canadians were eliminated in the playoffs Guy Carboneau was playing golf Journal de Montreal photographer was, took a picture of him walking up the 18th fairway he gave the guy the finger the, the, Guy Carboneau giving <laughs> people the finger was on the front page of the Journal and the experience is and he was traded to St. Louis about two days later yeah. I mean there is scrutiny <laughs> don't kid yourself uh, Saku Koivu had an eye injury at one point and again some journal memorial photographer I'm not trying to pick on the photographers Greg snuck into his hotel room or hotel his hospital room 
Uh, he had a sensitive eye, even like trying to take a picture of this guy while he's in the hospital. So th- there is scrutiny at a level that is actually quite wild in some places. Uh, here, frankly, I think most of the people are left alone. I don't think in alone. today's world they're sneaking into hospitals. We're talking in the last well, 15, Koiva, that's not, that's, 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 10 years That's ago. recently, huh? when he was playing in Montreal. Yeah. I mean, the, the, the Comrie, when he played here, it was comical. You'd see this guy walking around. He would... He let his, you know, facial hair grow. He wore, he wore a ball cap like it was a barrel over his head trying to hide from everybody, which is impossible because he's Mike Comrie walking around if he's at a Golden Bears game or whatever. But he was trying his best to make himself invisible. So in his mind, he was, he was being chased by the paparazzi. It, so it was he, a little weird, but, uh, and, of course, it goes away. So I noticed, I noticed, in, I noticed that with you too, John. You've always got the ball cap pulled down low over your head when you're at the rink. I'm trying to hide. Yeah, they, yeah I, I, I can't take it. I can't take the <laughs> scrutiny. The, the, yes, but, but the people at the end of the at the ramp there, there's a lineup of people looking for your autograph. Signed, I've signed so many autographs. I got the writer's cramp. Yeah. Yes, know. yes, but didn't Comrie turn around and marry Hillary Duff? Like for mm-hmm. a guy who was trying to stay out of the limelight. Sorry, it's just kind of. Well, they might know Hillary, but I'm not sure. In a lot of places was, in the states, they know who Mike Comrie well, was. Well, yeah. Are we even gonna? Uh, I had on my list. This obviously. Is a, uh, like you said, it's a topic that's you could bring up almost every year. Um, but Neil Yakupov, you know, always seems to have a smile on his face, and he's had a reason to. Obviously, he's scoring more. And we did bring him up last week, but you know, he's still still showing uh, some good things out there. He is. You know, hopefully, it's not an aberration that it's not a two-week thing where he's hot like he was at the end of his his rookie season when he got a lot of goals late in the year and suddenly you know got 17 goals I, I don't think it is it seems he looks like he in his own mind now he's figured out okay how do I have to play to score a goal in this league I just can't stand in one position on the ice and shoot the puck now on the power play he can because he gets in he, he's finding a way to get open and let the shot but five on five he's he's slowing it down a little bit he's not going 100 miles an hour from point a to point b seems and i think derek roy has has been a nice hand to him and says look you've got ability but you know you have to slide into holes you have to try to make yourself invisible on the ice you know i'll know where you are but you fight or find a hole and and we'll find you know and it's it's a give and go game in the national hockey league you can't carry the puck you know all the way up the ice you know you can't carry the puck by yourself more than you know 20 25 feet you know up the ice you got to pass it to somebody but he looks like a looks like a player now and you know good on him he nobody's ever knocked the fact that he that he doesn't try I mean he tries hard he comes to the rink every day he's working on his sticks he's a rink rat he wants to be a player and if he figures it out uh good yeah, I think there's a couple things happening with him. When I talked to Derek Waugh a couple of weeks ago about sort of his relationship, his mentorship with Yakupov, he felt he was sort of on the cusp and sort of getting close to getting to the point where he would start seeing some results. And, you know, confidence is huge. He gets his first goal in a long time, and then it just sort of, I think it snowballed with him a little bit. And he's playing with a lot more confidence. Um, that's, I think, where the points are coming from. But he, as Maddie said, his game's changed too. It's, uh, But again... Is it you know is it short lived or is this just you know a little blip on the radar with him? I think you'd like to see it over a full season. Yeah. Now, unfortunately no. for the for well, fortunately for him if he gets it going, for, fortunately for the team they got to sign him at the end of the year if they don't you know if there's no yeah. trade. But there's or still 25, 25, 25 you know so yeah. um, you know he's trying to 
find his way, and he has. And I think in a lot of cases in the National Hockey League, players move around all the time from line to line to line. But a lot of players like at least one guy that they can play with all the time. And then you can move the third guy in the line. And it's, you know, all players like to play with the same center if they can. And in the case of Yakupov, he's found a center that he can play with. And, you know, for Todd Nelson, good for him, too. Yeah. You know, they can send those two players out and and know that they're going to play well together. Yeah, Yakupov loves playing with Derek. Like, he just, he likes his experience. He's just, he's almost like the, you know, the little puppy dog that has, he has to have the alpha dog with him on the line. And it's really sort of made a difference for him. I, even when they first started playing together, he talked about it having this veteran center and sort of, you know, I don't think he felt comfortable before that. And he had a chance. They looked at maybe putting him up on the top line when Taylor Hall was hurt, shuffling things around there, and he wanted to stay where he was. So I think that speaks volumes about his comfort level with Derek. And there's another player that may not be here next year. So do we start this process if Yakupov's back with him trying to find a center again? I mean, that's a that's like when George Lerac was here, always trying to find somebody for him to play with. It becomes... <laughs> well, it was. It was a Sounds constant. Like I, it was know, a constant story. I'm not comparing. I'm not comparing Yakupov to to Lerac, but that was a constant headache here. Is trying to find someone he could play with. But there's symbiosis, obviously, between Wa the passer, Derek Roy the passer, and Yakupov the shooter, and and but also there seems to be a big brother kind of thing, as Joanna's alluding to. I thought he had something similar with Horkov, and this happens. With most teams, but I mean, frankly, the chemistry is a little less mysterious, and there's obviously players change line mates, you know, frequently. Um, so we'll see. I mean, uh, he he is obviously a guy who needs to be communicated with in a in different ways. He's right. he, he he's uh, uh, I think the coach has made a difference in that respect, and his right now his line mate, the centerman, has made a difference, and so good, you know, whatever <laughs> whatever with the communication was before was not working obviously so uh, you know if they're fun luck to him it's good because it's nice to see him play well got one more question is it Derek Waugh or Derek, Derek Roy? Roy it's Derek Roy, Roy. Derek okay. Roy. I no know it's Patrick not Waugh. it is not. not if you ask him he, is that what he says yes he doesn't speak French yeah he does does he he does speak French he's from Ottawa he's an Ottawa guy yeah I do know that his, he does speak French and his parents he's got French in the family but the he played in a in uh, when he was playing junior. They just started calling him Roy, so he went with Roy. But if you ask, so him. It, it, it's you know, players always want to change the way their name is. I know. <laughs> I'm not and, suggesting and, and we some, have and to. And some, like, hey, listen, the, we just have to spell it. It's the, spelled the same. So I mean, like, I love uh, Dan Cleary to death, but it's. Daniel Cleary, Danny Cleary, Dan Cleary, yeah. and it's changed from year to year to year. You never really know, you never really knew what it was. But yeah, uh, yeah I mean, so maybe usually, usually maybe. I mean, we don't have to worry about it quite as much as the broadcasters do in a game. You got to make sure that you. He's kind of accepted Roy, and like the the Dallas player who got traded to uh, Ottawa. I always thought it was Chason. Was this Chason yeah. or Chason? And well, uh, b- people, in, but it was let, Steve let, Chase. Let's, it was let's, Steve let's, Chase on, was it not? Who used to play for Steve Ch- Chase on? But the uh, the uh, that's the na- that's the name. The uh, <laughs> in Western Canada, all names that are not Saxon names are anglicized. 
whether it's somebody from Finland or somebody who's French-Canadian or somebody from other European country, and it's normal for people here to, to decide, well, I can't pronounce that one. I'm going to call it this way. Um, it, to me, it, and the players accept that because, I mean, what was um, Marc-Antoine Pouliot? After a while, he didn't want to be called Marc-Antoine Pouliot. Just call me Mark because people had trouble with this long name and so on. Um, Jeff pe- Drouin. Uh, Jeff Drouin Delorier. I mean, in, in Quebec, when, when a woman is married... Uh, she keeps her name. You don't get married and become adopt the name of the husband. So now in Quebec, there's generations of people who all hyphenated names. Who's the guy? The the, the, the one uh, uh, Leblanc, uh, Letourneau Leblanc. Mm-hmm. His first name is hyphenated. Marc Antoine Letourneau Leblanc. You know, to put that on his jersey. Uh, but we don't have to worry about that. Uh, and he's not in the NHL. Pe- people who come from places where <laughs> it's com- they're comfortable speaking more than one language don't change the name. They call the names the way they are. I just simple as that. But you know, a generation or two from now, when we have all these kids becoming NHL hockey players with the hyphenated name, with the hyphenated name, it can't fit all that in the back. No, it'll, it'll be cover the whole back of the jersey. No numbers, no numbers just letters. You won't see the name. You'll just see the advertising. <laughs> That's right. All right, everybody. We'll, and his uh, Corsi numbers will be on there, too. <laughs> okay. We'll leave it there for this week. Thanks, thanks very much, everybody. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.